0: I'm Tom Perumian, KTSA News.
1: Everybody knows what an air horn is, right? You know what an air horn sounds like. Uh, We've all heard an air horn at one time or another. I I don't know if you own an air horn or not, but if you live in Oakland, California, they are telling you to get an air horn. Uh, Crime has gotten so bad in Oakland that uh, they're telling residents to carry air horns with them and have air horns on hand so that uh, when there's a crime or you're being attacked uh, by the criminals that they won't put in the jails because they have a George Soros prosecutor like we do in Bear County, uh, you can at least let your neighbors know that crime is happening with an air horn. I guess this assumes that the, cr- the criminal hasn't already taken the air horn away from you and isn't beating you with it. But yeah, the, the DA out there is a woman named Pamela Price. She's another uh, fully owned subsidiary of George Soros and uh she's more interested in keeping people out of uh jail than putting them in and uh they they've got all they've got they've got a real crime uh problem burglaries are up 41% robberies are up 20% uh, carjackings have tripled since 2019 uh all the all the violent crimes are up remember they used to tell us last year that if you talked about the crime wave or you said that there was one that was a dog whistle of racism or that was a republican trope or that was just something that Fox News was talking about, and, you know, that it's not a real thing. Well, now I guess it's real enough that you need to get an air horn. Imagine telling people, we can't protect you, and we can't put away the, the, the bad guys, e- even if we catch them, even if we get them in the back of the cruiser, our DA isn't going to put them away. He's going to put them back in the street. But get an air horn. Get an air horn. It's like let them eat cake, right? Um, and and this is really a pattern if you think about it. We keep um, being told by people in authority that they can't do the job we hired them for because the job we hired them for is impossible. But then they invent a new thing like global boiling. And they come after us for that. The earth is on fire, the earth is burning. Um, Mother Nature is mad at us. Yeah, global boiling is what the UN Secretary General called it a few weeks ago. It's not even global warming anymore, it's global boiling. But the whole the whole theme of these days is um, create a false crisis while failing to address the real one. So the real problems, they got nothing on. Get an air horn. Shut up and sit down. Get an air horn. We don't want to hear from you unless you're blowing your air horn. But then we have the fake crisis. The earth is on fire. And children need to see genitalia so that they're used to seeing them. And I think people are, and, and we have to go through this, we have to walk through this to get to the point where people are waking up and figuring out that we voted in the people that are giving us this gaslighting. We have put in power the people that are denying our real problems and then inventing fake ones so that they can assume more power and control over us. Uh, I want to play this for you. This is a, uh, a TikTok of a woman who, um, speaking of Oakland, she lives in San Francisco. She's a young woman. She says that she's uh, been threatened with rape. She's been spat upon. She's been harassed. She doesn't feel safe in her city anymore. Uh, Her name is Hannah. This is Hannah's TikTok, cut number one.
2: I'm literally shaking right now. I was just getting groceries, and I live in San Francisco, and I never really feel fully safe. If you live in San Francisco, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. And I just got groceries. I'm walking out of the store and this guy is walking past me and says, move you stupid bitch. And he spits in my face, spits all over my face. And then I say, excuse me, did you just spit in my face? And he says, move or I'll rape you. There's also people everywhere and everyone's just walking by because they're like, I can't handle something else in San Francisco, it's always something else. I don't even know why I'm posting this. If you live in San Francisco, do you feel this way all the time? I don't feel safe ever. I literally never feel safe. It's better when it's daylight, but nighttime,
1: no, not leaving my house. I was talking to a friend of mine about uh, this stuff the other day, and um, the the question we were asking was, what's it going to take for people like this woman to stop voting the way she votes? Because there's no doubt in my mind she would have voted for this DA in in Oakland. She she probably voted for the cuckoo DA they have in San Francisco. What what is it going to take for voters like this who are clearly at their wits' end, right? You have people, I'm leaving this city, I can't live here anymore, I can't do we can't do it. What is it going to take for them to figure out that they elected this? I mean, you and I didn't, but they did. They voted for the very people that are making this happen, that are creating this dystopia in which they lived. And I flippantly said, so the, the question was, what will it take to change the mind of a woman like this. And flippantly, just to be a wise-ass, I said, probably getting married. (laughs) And he said, what? I said, well, you know, there's that huge gap of how women vote when they're single and women vote when they're married. Women who are not married vote Democratic 68% to 31%. As of, uh, I think it was 2020, 68% to 31%. There's a 37 point advantage for Democrats among women who are not married. Then when they get married, it evens right out. Now, I don't know why that is. I'm not, I'm not, I don't have a theory on that. I'm not saying I can explain that. But maybe that's what we're waiting for. Maybe we're waiting for Hannah to get married. So that she will vote sensibly because she's voting against her own interests. She's voting in the very things she's afraid of. And the news is full of stories like this. It's there, there are more stories. I could read, do nothing but read news stories. It would fill the whole show. You wouldn't want to listen of guys committing crimes who were out on bond, who were out on parole, who didn't even go to jail. Here's one, Hartford, Connecticut, a Hartford man out on bond for first-degree assault. has been arrested for allegedly shooting and killing a man over the weekend. 27-year-old Chan Williams Bay shot two people early Sunday morning. He has a lengthy criminal history, was arrested eight times in recent years. And on Monday, faced a judge with little emotion on charges of murder, first-degree assault, criminal possession of a firearm, all while he has eight other pending court cases and a total of $800,000 bond already posted in previous cases. So someone is dead because we didn't do what we always used to do with people like Chan Williams Bay. And what's it gonna take for voters to figure this out? We're not, we're not living under a king. We elect these DAs, we elect these officials, we elect sheriffs, and we elect, in some states, even judges so let 's talk about that, and maybe maybe we just need women just need to get married because uh they vote ridiculously when they 're single and somehow they vote more reasonably uh, when they 're married I know that 's going to go over big <laughs> I know that 's going to be a popular proposal i don 't know if i 'm wrong, tell me how or tell me another way two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five Uh, There's a story today about the FBI going and killing a man in Utah. 75-year-old Craig Robertson was described by the FBI as uh, having made numerous threats against President Biden and others. Uh, Apparently, they went to serve warrants on him, and um, he made some moves. And they wound up shooting him and killing him. He was wearing a Trump pin and hat, and had written, "I hear Biden is coming to Utah," and he was going to get his uh, AR-15 and his ghillie suit ready to go. I mean, it, obviously, you you can't be threatening the president of the United States uh, at all. But I did think it was interesting how fast we got this guy's name. I mean, they can't solve the cocaine at the White House. They couldn't find Hunter's money. But we got this guy's name. We got all these details about him immediately, immediately. So Peter Ducey, as we I think we mentioned the other day, is back from his paternity leave over at Fox News. He's covering Biden again. Biden's not too happy about it. Uh, Ducey went and asked him some questions about the calls with Hunter and uh, how that went down. And Joe did not like the question. Cut number three. There's this
3: testimony now where one of your son's former business associates is claiming that you were on speakerphone a lot with them, talking business, is that what... i never
4: talked business in And I, I know you'd have a lousy question. Well, what do you... It's, why
3: is that a
1: lousy
5: question?
6: Thank
7: because
8: you. it's not
5: true.
1: Thank you, Mr. President. <laughs> it's a lousy question. I don't like it when people ask me about my corruption. Uh, I, I, I guess I think it's kind of funny that... Um, the the defense of biden even by biden is not um total denial it's always like uh you don't have checks you can't prove the money uh we were just talking about the weather it's it's very um i feel like if somebody was was accusing me of taking bribes like flat out i think everything you do on the radio you're paid to do I, I would be vehement and specific and emphatic and the denial would be total and they're not doing that. Um the latest spin is that uh this was from the White House communications office A woman named Kate Burner uh tweeted out can we still say tweeted we can say tweeted right okay uh Kate Berner tweeted out on the um uh, out of the White House communications office she's the deputy director of communications uh, re- regarding um, the fact that Comer says we have bank statements with 20 million plus going to multiple family members, uh, she tweeted out the memo line doesn't show a direct. I'm sorry, the memo doesn't show a direct payment to Joe Biden. The memo doesn't show a direct payment to Joe Biden. So, it, it, it's like, if we didn't write bribe on the check, it might not be a bribe. 20 million, by the way. Like, I'm, I'm sure Biden got money, but, but even if he didn't, even if their defense is he didn't get it, and he didn't uh, participate, and he didn't help anybody get it, who the hell is paying $20 million to Biden's grandchildren and his grandnieces, and and his 'er ne'er-do-well brother, and his 'er ne'er-do-well son, without expecting something. I mean, you can, if you want to say, or you want to assert that he didn't get the money, it's still a racket. I mean, the people that paid it didn't think they were paying it as a tribute, just to be nice, like in days of old, you'd pay a tribute to the king or the emperor and you didn't really know if it even got to him you just wanted his people to know that your village your tribe whatever had paid a tribute you'd 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 bent the knee but there was no accounting for it you didn't get a receipt th- th- these these foreign entities are not paying tribute they are buying access, and they buy access all over the world, and they buy access in their own countries. I haven't heard anybody else say this, but it's not lost on me that in every one of these countries that was allegedly paying into Hunter's kitty, the way you do business in that country is you bribe the government. So these people weren't going to pay Crazy Hunter and not be pretty sure... They were getting something in return. And so this whole, you can't link it to Joe, is not is not going to work. It's just not going to work. I still think, and I'm curious to know how you feel about this, where you think the story is going. I still think at some point, they're just they're waiting until they need it, but I think the way they're going to try to get out of this at some point, because saying his name isn't on the memo isn't going to work. I, th- I think at some point they're going to go with, because we got a little hint of this, right, when they started talking about uh, when Jamie Raskin started talking about Hunter's a drug addict and he didn't know what he was doing. I think they're gonna throw Hunter to the wolves. I think the Biden family is gonna sacrifice Hunter. I really do. I think they're gonna I think they're gonna say, We are shocked, shocked to find gambling going on in this establishment. And it's gonna the whole thing will be hung on he was much worse off than we thought. We didn't realize how drugged out he was, we didn't realize the depth of his addiction and deprivation. Had we known uh, how bad it was. We would have intervened. We just didn't know. We were trying to be supportive. We were giving him the benefit of the doubt. He was in recovery. Joe's a loving dad. Jill's a loving mom, et cetera, et cetera. I, I really do think that's where they're going with it. And the gamble is that the media will be able to oprify this moment and make it into a uh, you know sort of feel good story about a family that's. In trouble because they just loved too much. I know you're going to throw up. I'm just, I'm just telling you what I think they're going to do. Who knows, right? I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not sort of. I'm not trying to campaign for marriage, but if if women vote 37 percent higher for Democrats when they're single than when they're married, then I think, I guess, I guess we just got to wait for all of these uh, voters to get married. Uh, because, really, and it isn't just the, the, the lady, you know, complaining about crime in San Francisco and the guy spat on her and said he'd rape her. Really, it, so many of the things we talk about are foisted on us by um, college-educated, single women voters. I'm not hating women, I love women, I just want to bring him back into the fold. I want him to. I want him to work with us, not against us. You know what I mean? I want to get him. I want to get him to where they're. They're uh, and I'm not. And I'm not even a, a party guy. But I mean, you're voting yourself into hell. I don't know if it's because they think they have to vote for a abo- pro-abortion candidates. They've been convinced that. But the thing about that issue is, and I don't want to get into that issue. But the thing about that issue is. Yeah, you might someday want to get an abortion, but you've got to walk out of your front door every day. You gotta to go to work every day. You have to walk on the streets of your city every day. You have to live every day. And they're letting you down, and you put them in, and you're we're we're frantically trying to restore some sort of common sense or at least elect less crazy people, less corrupt people, and you're putting them in, you're giving us these George Soros DAs. It's too easy. It's too easy. If they can get 68% of the single woman vote, they really don't care about anything else. 210-599-5555. So what's the answer to that if it isn't marriage? The the phenomenon of, of the way we're being gaslit really does fascinate me. We The news is full of Questions no one was asking, or answers to questions no one was asking the politicians are hitting us every day with some new crusade they're trying to ban the stuff we use on a daily basis they're trying to ban things that used to be considered anodyne or or non controversial like stoves and washing machines <laughs> and um and while we're fighting that, and we only have so much time and so much energy to fight right so while we're fighting to keep like household appliances, they're norming things in our society that we cannot let them norm. We were talking the other day about that professor who thinks that little children need to be exposed to um, genitalia. Remember that discussion? The the idea was that if you can uh, get young children exposed to male and female private parts of all different sizes and types at an early age, then they will be receptive to their trans classmates and their own gender fluidity and changing their sex and all that stuff. I saw a picture of um, the First Lady. She was in San Francisco with a bunch of drag queens. I mean, literally. It's a picture of Jill Biden looking very, you know, proper. She's in a, you know, dress, nice suit. And she's surrounded by these big guys with beards and mustaches, wearing, you know, driving Miss Daisy clothes and outlandish garb, just ridiculous. And it said that in the accompanying article, it said that Jill Biden is going around the country uh, meeting with um, and having her picture taken with drag queens. Now, you can think about that whatever you want, but what I think is going on here is I think we're trying to norm stuff I think we're trying really hard to say to everybody, no big deal, just a photo op, totally normal, so that there isn't even discussion about it. No one will even blow an air horn. It'll just it'll just be an everyday thing. And uh, and again, I I I, I hate to I hate to scapegoat, but I'm kind of fascinated by what we do about the single women voters. Don, can we play the TikTok uh, young woman again from uh, San Francisco? This is a a woman who made a a video. She's just at her wit's end. She's obviously had just had something very scary happen. Uh, Her name is Hannah. A million and a half people have seen this, and uh, she is saying she just doesn't feel safe where she lives anymore. Listen to this.
2: I'm literally shaking right now. I was just getting groceries, and I live in San Francisco, and I never really feel fully safe. If you live in San Francisco, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. And I just got groceries. I'm walking out of the store and this guy is walking past me and says, move, you stupid bitch. And he spits in my face, spits it's all over my face. And then I say, excuse me, did you just spit in my face? And he says, move or I'll rape you. There's also people everywhere and everyone's just walking by because they're like, I can't handle something else in San Francisco. It's always something else. I don't even know why I'm posting this. If you live in San Francisco, do you feel this way all the time? I don't feel safe ever. I literally never feel safe. It's better when it's daylight,
1: but nighttime, no, not leaving my house. <laughs> um, she then got a lot of uh, people picked on her and said, uh, well, you, you know, you voted for this uh, or you probably voted for this. And she then made a video where she said, I really hope people understand that no one deserves this, whether you vote blue or vote red. Um, no one deserves uh, to be assaulted or harassed in the street. Does she really not? Does she really not get this? Do, do people like her really not understand this? Because um, it it is a factor of what you've elected. Every one of these uh, district attorney races, there's another candidate. And they're not always perfect, and they're not necessarily fantastic, but they're not about uh, putting everybody back on the street. They're not about emptying out the jails. Uh, they're not about social justice instead of justice, justice. You know, I was thinking years ago, you had all these groups that were organized, like um, the Innocence Project and even the ACLU, to to pick the granddaddy of them all. But you had all of these organizations that worked and advocated against district attorneys, and and the the, the idea was that. It, it, back in the day, district attorneys were, they were just machines. Police would bring people in, they'd hook them up, they'd put them in jail, they'd they get them convicted. And they did it with such machine-like regularity, and they had such blinders on, that these organizations had to be formed to say, hey, what about the Constitution, what about due process? Well, now, the squishes, the softies, are the DAs. The kind of people that are now prosecutors are the kind of people you don't need an ACLU for. You don't need an innocence project for. And it's a profound change, and I'm sorry, Hannah, but y- y- you know the way you vote is you know what you're, what you're living through is a result of the way you vote. The fact that no one deserves to be treated that way is true, but is irrelevant to the point people are trying to make to you. So I don't know what we'll hear from her in the future, but what do you what do you do with the Hannas? What do you what has to happen? How much worse does it have to get? I mean, I sort of flippantly said maybe they have to get married, because that certainly does change the way people vote. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. All right. Um, not only is uh, Operation Lone Star actually working on the border, but it's getting Democrats to talk about the border, which is an extra uh, bonus. Uh, but right here we have a Republican to talk about it and some other things, uh, joining the show on the KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker line. Congressman Chip Roy is back with us. Congressman, good afternoon. Jack, how are you? Good, thank you. Um, it seems like, um, those border floaties, uh, have really, uh, had the, I guess, unintended effect or the un- un- unexpected effect of getting Democrats to come down to the border, I saw Joaquin Castro made a very preachy, luxury, uh video about these things. They're really upset about them because they're
0: working.
3: Well, I mean that's that's clearly uh, you know good news to get any Democrat to actually pay attention to the border. But obviously, you know, in, in terms of my my uh, colleague, Mister Castro, he was basically was saying. Well, we should stop that. Right. He was, right. He was right. joining forces with the Democrats. And, you know, by, uh, the Biden administration is suing Governor App to say we'd stop it. Meanwhile, for everybody out there listening. Right. I was walking out of an interview on Sunday with Shannon Bream and a Democrat colleague looked at me and he goes, hey, I mean, isn't the border getting better? I think, like, hey, hold on. We just had sixty three hundred apprehensions yesterday. We have got twenty thousand in custody. We are dumping people in the United States via the CBP one app. Our colleagues on the other side of the aisle and even, uh, you know, Border Patrol, because they have to, are saying, well, the app is working. Well, it's only working to funnel more people. And then yep. more people start coming, and now you flood the zone. Meanwhile, cartels still getting empowered, power, still coming in, and importantly, little girls getting still sold into the sex trafficking trade. So this is why we are standing up and saying that we should not be giving DHS any additional dollars until they sit down at the table and work with us to pass meaningful uh, border, border uh, constraints.
1: Uh, and so you're you're asking, and you've you've had your colleagues sign a letter to this effect, uh, basically saying we'll withhold funding. What what is your expectation that the Democrats might at least change their window dressing on this issue, if not their actual performance, because of the election? I, I was I was wondering yesterday if they may try to sound like, okay, we're going to get our arms around this because it's polling disastrously for them.
3: Well, you saw in the interview with my colleague, uh, Representative Bowman, who um, who was uh, from New York and, and, and said basically that he said, look, we're heading to election and, you know, we want to win these three or four seats. And we're looking really bad right now. But lost in all of that is what about what's happening to Texans? What's happening to migrants? What's happening to people dying from fentanyl? How about all these moms who lost their kids? What about the empowerment of cartels? All the stuff we see every day, and just because New York now has I don't know what tens, a few ten thousands of people there, in Massachusetts, they're all freaking out. They're like, we're going to the federal government to give us help. So wait a minute, I thought you were a sanctuary city. What do you hmm. need help for? Right, hmm. you're part of the magnet. Now, it, look, here's the problem, and I, and I hope all the listeners out there will hear it. My colleagues on my side of the aisle, they will cry, Chip. If we go down this and we have a shutdown fight, uh, you know, you're just gonna you know, playing into the hands of Democrats. They're gonna blame us for the shutdown. They're gonna say that, oh, you know, we're not paying for for Border Patrol, that doesn't make sense. And I said, hold on a second, guys. We have one leverage and precisely one. That is the power of the purse. We are supposed to use it. The taxpayers didn't send me to Washington. The listeners to your show right now, they didn't send me to Washington to go up there and say, Oh, sure, Alejandro Mayorkas, here's a here's a check please just continue to screw over Texans and be at war with the people that I represent and allow migrants to get sold to sex trafficking trade and empower cartels. They didn't send me there for that. So we have a moral obligation to stop it out there, go watch it, right? It, it's the story of, of these kids getting sold into sex trafficking trade and the, the uh, agent who quit his job at DHS to go get them. And it's happening in Texas. We just had a federal judge find an example in Fort Worth of a family being held hostage, ransom for $23,000, and this little girl, he was being threatened that he, she would be raped if the dad didn't write a $23,000 check. That illegal dad came here for a better way of life, not to have to be held ransom mm-hmm. or his daughter get abused. What's wrong mm-hmm. with this country? And that's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. I mean, I'm just going to stand up and fight it. I don't really give a damn what they say about me. I've had enough. We've got to stop doing this.
1: Well, and I like this approach that you're taking better than just the people that are talking about impeaching Mayorkas, A, because I don't think they ever will, and B, because you would just get another person of the same ideological bent from this administration.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that's always the problem with impeachment, right? So it's a double edged sword because we have a duty under the rule of law to, to, to stop people who are not following the law and who are acting, you know, tyrannically and acting, um, you know, against the interest of the American people. So I'm in favor of it. But yeah, we've got, frankly, too many Republicans who don't think we can or should impeach Orca's for violating his oath or lying to me under oath about having operational control. And we even have some still squeamish about pursuing Biden despite all of the obvious corruption problems. But to your point, the one thing we should all agree on is that the power of the purse, James Madison, Federalist 58, it's the best tool you can give to the yeah. people's house yeah. to check the executive branch. So we should damn well use it in order to try to protect Texas. Make no mistake about it. This administration, this DHS, is at war with the people of Texas. They're suing it. they're trying to stop us, and we have an obligation to push back.
1: Yeah. yeah, no, agreed on that, and appreciate what you're doing. Thank you for not being a Republican who only goes on Fox News and talks about this stuff, but actually tries to do something. Congressman Chip Roy with us. Thank you, Congressman.
3: Hey, God bless, man.
1: 446 on 550 and 1071, KTSA, Jack Riccardi. You can jump in here at 210 599 A lot of stuff we're uh, kind of mulling over and kicking around here this afternoon. John is on the radio on KTSA. John, good afternoon.
8: Good afternoon, Jack. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I-, I just wanted to say, to your point, you know, these people need to change how they vote. I think uh, they need to start voting, period. I think that when you have cities like San Francisco and San Antonio where the population only 9% votes, those people that are voting, they know what they're voting for. It's the other 90% that -hmm. don't even vote, and yet they complain and complain, and you ask them, well, how'd you vote? I didn't even vote. Well, there's your problem right Right. there. They don't understand the power of their vote, and we need to get back to schools teaching that or families teaching that, because you know the schools won't.
1: Yeah. I don't know what the, uh, do you know offhand? I don't know what the turnout is in San Francisco. I don't, I doubt it's as low as it is here, but it's, pr- it's probably lower than it, than it should be. Do you know it by any chance?
8: I, I do not. I, I do not know it. Uh, I do know that. Uh, I because you
1: definitely a- nailed it for San Antonio. There, I, I've been yeah. saying this as long as I've lived here. There's no way a city like ours, just, just, just looking around, just the makeup, all the veterans, all the, the people with military backgrounds and stuff. The, the, the church attendance. There's just, there's no way we should be electing these godless progressive freaks, but it's because of the 7%, 9%, 11% turnout. But like in other places, is that also the problem? Or is it people like Hannah that really think when they vote for that Democratic DA that he's, he's got it covered. He's going to protect them. I mean, they, they, what's going to, what's it going to take to get through to Hannah?
8: I think just more and more of the same until they can get together as a group and say We're, we've had mm-hmm. enough. I think that's where it goes next. People have got to start organizing and say, and I don't mean organizing in a, in a negative way, but organizing yeah. to yeah. say, hey, let's let's we got to turn this around, folks, and and go back to that, and everybody just start voting and getting involved without getting upset.
1: Yeah. John, thanks. Look, I, I'm not I'm not trying to scapegoat them, but. Single women give their votes to Democrats by a thirty-seven point margin. It's a big, big margin. It's it's a comfort zone for Democrats. And um, when we, in every poll, in every uh, breakout I've ever seen, when you look at married women voters, they it's either very close to a split you know it's like 5248 or 5545 sometimes in some races like the Virginia governor's race majority of women vote republican so i'm just asking since we can't just make all the hannahs of the world get married what What is it going to take for people? And th- th- there's one of these every day, right? There's somebody on TikTok or Instagram. I can't live in my big uh, blue city anymore because it's so dangerous and scary, but I-, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what to do. But if you were to ask them who they voted for, they voted for the, the clowns that gave them this. You know they did. 210 599 Charles is on KTSA. Charles, good afternoon.
6: Hey, Jack, how are you?
1: I'm good, thank you. How are you doing?
6: Yeah, good, good. I like you on the radio, but this topic may get you off. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know, it's got to happen sooner or later, right?
6: Yeah, yeah. No, um, you know, it, it, it's kind of logical that when uh, one group of people s- stick together, the you know, the women they are all about saving the world, and you know, we all we all live in the same. We all live in the same world, but logic has to come out. Um, You know, when I grew up, it was probably 65% male teachers, 35% female. And now it's – I don't know how many – I don't think there's any male teachers. I don't even think there's any male principals anymore. So there's no – there's no – what am I trying to say? There's, you know, there's no influence anymore, and and when women get married, they finally realize that it takes two, and it, it takes other than their their logic as a single female than
8: a couple, or or
1: well, well here's here's the thing I don't get, Charles. All right, like I don't know this lady Hannah, but but let's just say that. She's probably, she sounds educated. She's probably a smart person. If she hired somebody to paint, you know, her house, she'd probably do her homework on the Internet. She'd probably read reviews. She'd probably ask around. She'd probably make sure she got a good price and the person was qualified to do it. All I'm asking her to do is, please, when you vote for a district attorney, take the same amount of care. Don't hire somebody that isn't going to put people behind bars. Let somebody else worry about being a bleeding heart, but the job of a DA is to lock them up. Period, and and well, they're and doing they, everything but, and that's why you're afraid to go out of your house, Hannah.
6: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, and you're 100 percent right. I mean, every one of the DAs, every one of the judges, I, I originally from Houston. Most of the judges in Houston are Democrats. The so most of them are liberal. Look at the city of Houston. I hate the fact that San Antonio is becoming that way. I listen to the morning show, the midday show. I don't necessarily listen to Dave but I listen to you and I hate the fact that San Antonio is turning out that way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll, uh, we'll keep asking the questions, Charles, as, as long as they'll let me on the radio, I'll keep asking these questions. And Sounds someday good. when I'm not here, you'll know why, right?
6: Oh, no. Oh, no. Keep going. <laughs>
1: okay. And I know you warned me, so I consider myself warned, uh, two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. five nine, nine Yeah. I, I'm being semi flippant, but I'm, I'm also serious. um, and and i do understand because like in talk radio we have all this data about uh you know who listens to talk radio versus other kinds of radio and other media and why and one of the things that we've always known about this kind of radio is that it tends to attract people it tends to pull people in as their lives change so you don't When you're a young single man or woman, you may not care very much about the issues or taxes or elections, but then when you get a job and you're paying taxes, and then when you buy a house and you're paying those taxes and you're dealing with that BS, and then you have a family and your kids go to the schools. and So those things, rites of passage, markers, whatever you want to call them, tend to start to make people cause people to care about things, which in turn they seek out information, which in turn means they come to a radio station like this or in their city. Uh, we, we So we know that just the passage of time and aging and life experiences. But we really do run into a brick wall here if, you know, two out of three or three out of four single women are going to keep electing uh people who then turn and create a dystopian society they don't feel safe in. I'm just wondering, what what does it take? What has to happen? So flippantly, I said, well, maybe they gotta get married and start having kids, because that seems to be the thing. That's the one thing we know that changes political outlooks. Uh, we've been talking about uh, how people vote and uh, the pattern of when women are single, they overwhelmingly vote for Democrats, Yet, increasingly, they seem unhappy with the results, given, for example, feeling unsafe in our major cities. So then when you look at the breakout of voters, um, when women get married and have kids, or even just get married, you've heard of suburban, the suburban women's vote. It's much more centrist. Uh, it's much more evenly split between Republicans and Democrats. There's still maybe uh, women, married women and, and moms that, that vote for crazy you know, George Soros DAs, but just not nearly at the... Clip that they do when they're single. So I'm just kind of wondering, what does it take? Uh, this woman on TikTok is distraught. She's beside herself. She can't. She can't believe what's happened to her city. Um, does she not know that you're voting for this? And 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 uh, we we do. We sympathize. We, you're our fellow Americans. We care about you. But you're you're making us crazy because you keep putting people in office that make your cities worse and worse, make your lives worse and worse, endanger your your uh, you know your your livelihoods. And you, you, you're you're asking somebody to help you, but you're not helping yourself. Maybe we need Kamala Harris to explain democracy. I got to play this cut number four, Don. Play play cut number four.
2: The nature of democracy is is it's there. There are two sides to it in terms of the nature of it. There's a duality. On the one hand, when democracy is intact. It is incredibly strong in terms of the strength it bestows on the individuals in terms of their rights and their freedoms. Incredibly strong in terms of what it does for its people. On the other hand, it's very fragile. Our democracy will only be as intact as our willingness to fight for it. And so fight we must and fight we
1: will. (laughs) As somebody that ad-libs for a living, can I just tell you that all these clips we play of her, she is totally making it up as she goes along. There's no no premeditation there. It's uh, swinging it. I found this woman. This is a woman that does a, I guess it was bound to happen sooner or later. She does a Kamala Harris impression. It's pretty good. Take a listen to this. Cut number six
2: today we woke up with the news from yesterday yesterday's news would be tomorrow's news and it is now today's news <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it today.
9: it we all knew this would happen right okay we all knew Trump would be indicted, indicted. <laughs> never <laughs> <answer> that one.
3: <laughs> we all knew this had to happen because without Trump in trouble, double T,
2: Trump trouble. <laughs>
9: the, the Democrats.
1: Idea, She's got it. She got the basics of it. I think it could use a little work, but it's pretty good. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. All right. So we were talking about this woman that made a video in San Francisco about how she's distraught, and a guy was uh, cruel to her and, and and threatened to rape her, and she just doesn't like the way it feels to live there anymore. Um, she got a lot of responses. She got sympathetic responses from women that told her their stories and. Uh, One woman even wrote to her and said um, she was at a gas station pumping gas one night, and the cops pulled up next to her. She didn't know why, and the cop proceeded to tell her that she was being reckless and and endangering herself by being out at night, which she thought was an outrageous thing to say. Uh, She's upset that a lot of uh, the response she got to her TikTok was people saying, stop voting the way you vote, uh, and things will get better. She says no one deserves, no matter how they vote, to be treated the way I was treated. I Yeah, but we're not talking about whether or not you deserve it. Um, we're talking about what you do about it. We, we're, we're not gonna get what we deserve in this life, <laughs> but you have to look at, you have to make some connection between your actions and, and what they lead to. And she is, and I'm sorry, a lot of people do this, they pretend they have no idea how we got to where we're at. And I, I'm not having that. I don't, I don't think that's acceptable. I, if, if you want to know what to do, I'll tell you, but don't pretend you have no control over it. I don't know what to do. Die is on the radio, 210-599-5555 as we talk about this, this dilemma and what we do about it. Hello, Di.
9: Hey, Jack, how are you?
1: Well, I'm good. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, people are telling me I may not be on the radio much longer if we continue this conversation. But now that I'm this far into it, I have to keep going. So,
9: yeah. Well, I listen to y'all every day, all day. So you got me. Uh, well, thank you. But um, I had an epiphany as I was on hold. Um, we need more Leo women. Because Leo women. Leo, Leo. Yeah, August babies. We need more Leo. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because we're strong and independent, and even. As a kid, as a teenager, as a 20-year-old, I was always independent and strong and did not Mm -hmm. go along just to go along. And I think that's what a lot of women, single women, do. Um, They just go with whatever's popular, whether they know what they're talking about or believe in or what have you. Um, But, you know, I've always voted conservative. I've always been conservative. Um, I don't understand these women who can, you know, women have babies. We should have a Nurturing, you know, natural ability there and to, you know, be okay with killing babies and, you know, changing genders and all this stuff. I just, I just do not understand it at all. But, um, me and my friends and my crowd, we're, we've always been conservative. So mm. we are out here.
1: So the key is to be born in August and be a Leo, which means if you're going to have a daughter, you got to conceive her in what, December?
9: Yeah, I yeah, do the math, but yeah, I, I think that that's right? just what we need more of. Yeah. I okay.
1: Think that's that seems yeah. that seems yeah. like yeah. it yeah. might be a little complicated to pull off, but uh, <laughs> but we'll we'll pass that along, time. right? <laughs> what, every every little bit helps, right? Well, Di, I appreciate you. Yeah, exactly. I appreciate your calling in. It's good to hear from you. Uh, let me get to another one here. Um, Chris is on the Jack Riccardi show. Chris, good afternoon.
5: Hey, Jack. I you know I'm playing psychologist here, but hopefully some sense i think what what's the mantra of the democratic party we're going to take care of you from cradle to grave Mm -hmm. you know we're going to we're going to be your your food source your welfare your whatever and so Mm -hmm. as a single woman i think ten thousand years of history you know the women want to be you know taken care of and protected so when they're single that's great the democrats are going to take care of me but then when i get married I realize, well, maybe I don't need the government to take care of me, and I oh. can rely on my husband to Interesting. sort of fill that role, and they migrate to being more conservative. I don't know. That's
1: so fine. the Democratic Party is their, is their mate until they have <laughs> yeah, a mate. Big-time wow.
5: psychological play. never but thought I, of I mean, that. Maybe there's that. Yeah, the, that's what the Democrat Party preaches. We're going to take care yeah. of you. From cradle to grave, we'll take care of yeah. you. Then I get married, and I realize I don't need the Democrat Party to take care of me.
1: Yeah, interesting. Uh, I mean, there's no doubt that that um, it, you know, in all the studies of anthropology and 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 human history, um, people make very rational choices about mates, about taking shelter, about you know having enough to eat and drink. People relocate themselves to survive. It's survival of the fittest. It's you know it, it's how we've made it these thousands of years. But right. it's weird to see people right now repeatedly, even doubling down on behaviors that literally are leading to their extinction, and not only yep. their physical danger. But I I could point out to Hannah that you're also voting for a political party that is claiming there's no definition of woman. And is erasing the distinction of being a woman, so yeah. there is no logic to this at all. If you're just, unless you're trying to vote yourself out of existence, in which case you need to keep doing it.
5: I don't have an. Answer.
1: I, I mean, it's not. Yeah, there's no. There's no obvious. I, I mean, other than maybe having those August babies that I talked about. Chris, I like yeah. your thinking though, and I think that's. I think that's your. I don't think you're plain psychologist. I think you. Uh, heck, you might even be one. Uh, no, I mean, it, it, they're just, there probably is a breaking point. I've always thought, and one of the one of the main reasons I love doing what we do every day on this show is I figure the more people hear about crazy, the more he- people hear about, what, I can't believe they're trying to pass a law that would do that, or what, I can't believe they put a guy in jail for doing that. The more we we all hear that, and people that don't follow news closely hear that, the sooner we get to that breaking point, I hope I think uh that we're that we're headed toward so my, I'm doing my little part to try to get us there faster. Have you seen Barbie or Oppenheimer the big summer movies? Maybe you've seen them both maybe you've seen neither one i might am feeling like this might be the weekend I see oppenheimer uh I know I want to see that. I just don't have any interest in Barbie. I'm not putting it down i just don't don't really uh someone else can have my seat to barbie but yeah i might i might go for oppenheimer um all right tell me about that in the jr poll powered by river city oral surgery new study says children almost never transmitted covid in school uh this was a um study done of uh several school districts in Massachusetts, totaling about 20,000 children. In the 20,000 sample size, researchers found a total of 44 possible cases of in-school transmission. So 20,000 students, dozens of schools, several months, 44 possible infections, none of whom, were teachers or staff. And you remember the pathetic, never-ending litany of reasons we couldn't reopen the schools, reasons we couldn't unmask the kids, do you want to kill everybody, mitigation, six feet. And as we've talked about before, there is no accountability, there has been no reckoning Throughout history, when a group of people did wrong, they were eventually paraded out before the rest of us and forced to confront, forced to acknowledge that they, that they did wrong, that they collaborated with the enemy, that they took the wrong side, that they hurt people. Sometimes they were shamed. Sometimes they were hurt or even killed. I'm not obviously calling for that, but we've had no reckoning of the people that ordered our kids into this regimen. And and it, because we haven't, they will do this again. If not with COVID, if not with another virus, then with something else. There's a guy named Michael Sanger that I read from time to time. He writes a lot about COVID. He wrote a piece the other day in his theory. Now, I'm just throwing this out. I'm not saying I believe this. In fact, I don't completely agree with him, but this is his theory. COVID-19 was developed by the intelligence community to engineer a coup. And he says, look, we know that intelligence agencies censored, um, they prevented people from debating, questioning the official line, they monitored uh, posts and the flow of information, they limited people's liberties, they infiltrated social media companies and search engines. And his theory is that we, when we first heard about COVID, our inclination, our instinct was to reject Draconian measures. Even Fauci did that, even Fauci said we're not gonna need masks and all of that. And then we pivoted into what was basically the Chinese and Italian response to COVID, a totalitarian um, lockdown response, which was not expected in a society like ours was not the protocol, was not the plan. And so Sanger, Michael Sanger, says this was the excuse to implement the Great Reset. This was the excuse to deny the results of a legitimate presidential election and neuter the will of the people in the following election. We heard four years of claims the president was a foreign agent. And and COVID-19... Facilitated this slow motion coup, not only of the U.S. government, but really of like the culture, the society. And I have to say, I can't take any issue with Singer's timeline or his description of of what happened. I mean, that, if you lay it out like that, that is what happened. I, I also have no doubt that the intelligence community and people in it enthusiastically participated in all of this. I don't um, quite go as far as him in thinking that uh, they had a conspiracy. I think what happened with COVID was a whole lot of different players and actors saw that, what's that quote? never let a crisis go to waste. I think a whole lot of people saw an opportunity for themselves, and they took it. And it might be people that wanted to shut down conservative thought and expression, and it might have been politicians that wanted more power, and it might have been people in the business world that wanted to make a a fortune, which they did. Fortunes were made on COVID. The military-industrial complex um, is jealous of the of the profiteering off of COVID. I saw a story that um, Dr. Fauci and Dr. Collins, both newly retired, personally received uh, 58 royalty payments from companies to license their inventions that were developed with taxpayer money. These two were raking it in while they were in government service. So I, I, I will say this about Sanger. I don't buy his conspiracy, but I think his interpretation is his laying out of the of the events is is right on. By the way, Rand Paul, who is definitely the best Republican in the Senate, I mean there's not no one's even close, right? This is the guy that really does it. He doesn't he doesn't do interviews where he talks about how somebody ought to do something. He does it. He's actually going and getting a um criminal referral from the district attorney in D.C. against Fauci. Um, And he knows he's going to be fought, and he knows there's a lot of partisan uh, opposition to it. Um, But he says that he's got Fauci pretty much dead to rights um, on the, you know, NIH funding of the lab that the coronavirus came from. And I hope he does. I hope he goes after him. Because this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier with you you will get more of what you don't punish. The absence of consequences is like a reward. So if a politician acts like a tyrant and then gets reelected, they don't think, oh, I was really fortunate to get reelected because I acted like a tyrant. They think, I, I need to be a tyrant. I need to be more of a tyrant. People like that. People are watching Rand Paul. People in government, people in big pharma are watching Rand Paul right now because if he gets this against Fauci, he's fired a shot across their bows. So I hope he does. Um, And I I hope we find out more. I I know it's been pretty sketchy. You've probably heard a little about it. I hope we're going to find out more about this lab they found in California. We talked about it a day or two ago. Uh, That lab got hundreds of thousands of dollars in U.S. taxpayer money, according to the Daily Mail of London, and it was an illegal Chinese-run bio lab with genetically engineered and disease-riddled mice, chemicals, pathogens, improperly stored, And, and again, the thing wasn't licensed, it wasn't up to code, it got money from the state of California, too. I don't know if Gavin Newsom was involved in that or not, but it definitely got money uh, from the federal government under Trump and Biden. And you have to wonder, is there only this one? Are there others? You know, what? what is going on with the weaponization of health? And as far as I can see, Rand Paul is the only one, God bless him, That's that's digging into this and doesn't seem interested in anything else. Like, he's... He's just dug in on this. He's focused on this. This is what he's going to work on. So we'll talk about that. I wasted a fair amount of time on this uh, next item yesterday, and I decided if I wasted time on it, you were going to have to waste a little time on it too. So I'm going to waste a little of your time, but there's a point here, and I will get to it, I promise. I don't know if you remember this commercial, but take your mind back to... Around 2009, it was a television commercial for Folgers Instant Coffee. And I remember when I was a kid, like Folgers was, I think Folgers was the Mrs. Olson commercials, right, Don Cooper? That was. Yes, it was. She was the lady that had the delicious coffee in the kitchen. Shut up out of nowhere. Crystals. Yeah, shut up out of nowhere. She had that wonderful accent. She was kind of like a middle aged Ingrid Bergman with the, that made coffee. It was cool. Well, then they went to different, you know, storylines and stuff, and and they started making commercials that were kind of like Hallmark commercials, uh, like, you know, telling a little story, t- tugging at the heartstrings. And this was around the holidays in 2009. And let me set it up. I'm going to play it for you, but let me set it up. Um, so it's holiday time, and uh, we see a house all lit up for the Christmas uh, season, and a young man with a backpack goes to the door of the house, and he's excited. He looks full of anticipation. And as soon as he knocks or whatever, this young girl in the house gets very excited. Clearly, she's been waiting for someone. It's a holiday homecoming. And uh, this is the Folgers ad from 2009. Take a listen.
3: I must have the wrong house.
9: Sister? you so much. They waited up all night for you, you
6: know. It's a long way from West Africa. Oh, real coffee. Yes, sir. Brought you something from far away. (laughs)
0: Really?
5: Oh. (laughs) What are you doing? You're my present this year.
1: So the guy comes to the door. The girl answers the door. He pretends he doesn't recognize her because he's been away, probably in the Peace Corps in Africa, right, I'm thinking. And she's all grown up now. She's a young, teenage, maybe college-age girl. He's, you know, they give each other a big hug, and he comes in. Oh, you've made coffee? Yes, I waited up all night for you, she says. He pulls out of his backpack a little wrapped present with a bow on it. He says, I brought you something. She takes the bow off. This is the part everybody remembers. She takes the bow off the package, she sticks it on his shirt, and she says, you're my present this year, because he's home. And the parents, in the meantime, have heard, and they smelled the coffee. They're upstairs, and they come down, and the whole family has coffee together and the jingle um, for Folgers Coffee. I remember this commercial. I thought it was very heartwarming. I'm, I'm a sappy guy, and I'll admit this, you know, I cry at movies and stuff like that. I thought it was a very nice commercial um and it was the the catch line was You're my present this year was like a running joke that season. I remember people said that. i remember I remember in fact i I think it was with I might have been with uh my brothers and sisters i don't know who I was with, but I remember at every every gathering where people were unwrapping presents, somebody did that. they put the bow on some you're my present this year, ha. <laughs> all right, so that was the commercial, and again, it's a long time ago, fourteen years ago apparently now there's a whole um online discussion about this commercial. The commercial is not running it's not that they brought it back and are using it again the what seemed like a sweet Commercial is now being criticized as creepy and incestuous. now they're saying the brother and sister are just too close if something's not right and it turns out that the actor and the actress in the show i mean in the um in the ad uh they apparently are are getting a lot of this and apparently it's actually hurt their careers a little bit when they were in this ad both of them were young i don't remember their names it's not important but they were like starting out and this was a big break for them because it was a national commercial that would get a lot of exposure and um i don't know if you remember but coffee commercials used to be kind of a big deal you know they had storylines and re- recurring characters and mrs olson and you know the, I remember uh, Robert Young did the Sanka commercials. If you go way back, I'm ancient, so I remember that. People even know what Sanka is anymore, Don Cooper. I don't even know. Do I have to explain what Sanka is? Probably. Sanka <laughs> sounds like Sanka sounds like a condition you would go see your doctor on. You know, like ask your doctor. <laughs> You remember those, right? Though Robert Young played a doctor on television, and he was very trusted. His his character's name was Marcus Welby. Anyway, (laughs) he did these commercials for decaffeinated coffee. It was a brand called Mm Sanka. And it was people that were tense and uptight, and he suggested, well, maybe you should drink Sanka. It was a big deal. So the Folgers commercials, Maxwell Househead commercials, everybody, you know. um, Apparently, these actors are having some remorse because um, people think that the brother and sister were too close. So here's my point, and then I will leave it to you to make of this what you want to make of it. What does it say about us that we we thought this was heartwarming and wholesome and just nice? I, I, by the way, I don't really like Folger, so it's not that I'm cheerleading for the brand, but I'm a Taster's Choice guy, if you want to know. But I mean, it seemed like a it seemed like a nice little story. I liked it. It was relatable. Um, I know what it's like to be away from home and to go home and to be welcomed and that nice feeling. And and I think many of us do. Probably a lot of people saw themselves in that commercial, right? You came home from the from the military. You came home from college. You came home from living away from home or whatever it was. I didn't get any weird. Creepy vibe from the two of them at all? I really didn't. Did you? Did you get that? Done when you saw it at the time? Did you, did you feel that way? Well,
7: we were talking off air earlier, and I, I can see where some people might, if they want to really dig deep mm. into it, they might find a perversion in, into the ad itself. But
1: no, I, I'm not getting any of that. Was there like a vibe? Was there like a sexual tension between Was there, the two?
7: They're even saying that the title of the ad, "Coming Home," is perverted <laughs> what has happened to us i was reading a little background on on this ad earlier and uh, um it's interesting that the commercial was ba- actually based on the scriptwriter's writers yeah a real yeah. experience of missing his yeah. son that was in the peace corps yeah
1: yeah, yeah i thought that was cool i mean it, it's a very universal it's a universal experience i mean you were in the military i'm sure you had occasions to come home to a family that was very glad to see you and it, it when you're making commercials, you're looking for that universal, relatable moment. I think they hit it. I mean, I, I, you know, to me, this is like something that should win awards for you know, well, well-produced, beautifully shot, appealing actors. I I don't know what's happened to us. I feel like we've been poisoned to the point where we can't see anything as good or wholesome, and and. I'm 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 not trying to make this into a serious the world is ending kind of topic, but there's something wrong with us if we're not able to just say that is sweet, that is nice, you know, good, you know, a good message, a good story there. Um, I, I, I maybe we're getting cynical, maybe we're over sexualized, maybe it's what we watch, maybe it's the way everything is spun, uh, you know, these days into sex. But boy, I that was only what 14 years ago. It's not like it's not like we're watching something that was made eighty years ago and we can't you know, you look at something from like the forties or fifties and you're like, Why wow, did people ever live like that? Did people ever talk like that? This is two thousand nine. Anyway, that's my take. Um, I'm curious to know if you remember it, what you thought of it then, what you think of it now, uh why you think people would be turning on it. It's very weird that, that this is even a discussion. And like I said, it it was a waste of time. I, I now have wasted some of yours, but That makes us even. According to my email, there were people at the time who thought it was, uh, they were vibing on each other. So I I guess I'm just, I guess I'm just an old-fashioned guy. I guess I just thought this was like a nice homecoming, you know, prodigal son returns. You know, we don't really know the whole thing. Maybe he left home under strange circumstances. Maybe his parents didn't want him to go to West Africa Maybe he uh you know, maybe he was the wild child in the family, I don't know. And uh they're having their coffee and they're just happy together as a family. I, I I didn't get the sense that he or she wanted something else to happen, you know. Just just saying. But apparently there was even some you know those fan fiction sites that where people will take something and write up scenarios and stuff. Apparently there's a whole body of work on the internet, if you want to look for it, of fan fiction about the two in the 2009 Folgers commercials. So. Once this is-, is why we can't have nice things, Don. We can't have nice things. We gotta Everything's got to be cynical because we, we just can't <laughs> handle it.
7: Wasn't it um, Sigmund Freud that said, mm. sometimes a
1: cigar is just a cigar? I believe the exact quote, if you go back, was sometimes instant coffee is just... Instant coffee. I think that's what he actually said. No. All right. Um, and then uh, Brian said, I didn't have you pegged for an instant coffee guy. Well, yeah, I mean, I usually brew it, but sometimes you got to have instant coffee. Come on, you know. Come on now. Come on now, Brian. I think they still uh, sell
7: Sanka coffee, by the way. Do
1: they? Do they? I didn't even know if they still made it. Yeah. I know Robert Young is no longer with us, but uh, yeah. Okay. Sanka. Look it up. Google it. Uh, Target is being sued by a group of investors. We we said this would probably happen at some point. Um, a lawsuit's been filed on behalf of investors who say that Target lost shareholders billions of dollars because of their LGBT, ESG, and DEI disastrous policies. In order to join the suit, you have to own Target shares. You have to have owned them since before a certain date. Uh, And that entitles you or gives you standing to say that the corporation's board of directors and management uh, misled uh, investors and did not consider the ramifications of their various mandates and uh, marketing decisions about Pride Month when they were uh, selling tuck-friendly swimsuits and all that stuff. I... I I think there's some merit to this and I hope these uh suits go forward. The idea is that on some level it's not just about whether people are offended or customers decide not to shop in your store, but when you're when you're running a, a publicly held company you are holding people's trust uh and dollars. You have to be a good custodian, a good steward of of their investment and clearly woke companies are not if if it's just your outfit if you're just the the solo owner and you want to go broke because you go woke fine but you're not entitled to do that with other people's money so good luck to them i hope they hope they are successful in a court of law there was a story in the news about a guy who uh looked out the window in the middle of the night uh saw his uh somebody breaking into his car at his apartment complex his apartments were over on um, 1604 near O'Connor so uh he goes down to confront the guy who is uh, jacking with his car and somehow it turns into a standoff I don't really know i'm a little I'm a little vague on the details but at some point this uh alleged uh, car thief was holding this guy's girlfriend at gunpoint. And the guy wound up shooting and hitting the suspected thief. And they do think he was trying to steal the car. They found other cars in the parking lot being tampered with. I was somewhere the other night, and I was parking my car, and I saw a guy just very openly. When I say night, it was still light out. It was like, you know, 7.30, quarter 8.00. A guy is going through the parking lot just trying all the cars. Just right out in the open. Um, Mark writes to me, Jack, at com. I'd like to hear from people who've had a car stolen. Was it ever recovered? Do they ever get them back? Uh, looking back, was there anything they could have done to prevent it being stolen? Wondering how many uh, stolen vehicles around here uh, wind up used by the cartels. It's a good question, Mark. Um Never had a car stolen yet knock on wood um, yeah, do you get 'em do you, do you get them back? Do you get them back intact are they is it Is it uh like some kind of organized thing or is it joyriders or or are people i know I, I have heard over the years over many years I've heard stories about companies having pickup trucks and duallys stolen, and those things they say are absolutely going to Mexico. Like, when you report a vehicle like that, they would just tell you, oh, well, it's, <laughs> sorry, sir, it's already probably over in Mexico now. Uh, yeah, if you've had that experience, just curious, 210-599-5555. I've had a couple of cars broken into. I have not yet had one uh, stolen. I've had a couple that I wish somebody would steal, but no such luck. So, anyway. you um, we were talking about uh, this young lady in San Francisco who made a TikTok video um she she was having a bad day obviously she was very frustrated she was very upset i'm not mocking her, her name is Hannah and she made this video uh about a very scary encounter that she had just had uh where she said a guy um, um you know she's minding her own business uh walked out of her out of her door uh get groceries and uh, she had this ugly encounter with a guy that spat on her face and threatened to rape her. This is what it sounded like, cut number one.
2: I'm literally shaking right now. I was just getting groceries and I live in San Francisco and I never really feel fully safe. If you live in San Francisco, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. And I just got groceries, I'm walking out of the store and this guy is walking past me and says, move you stupid bitch and he spits in my face, spits all over my face. And then I say, excuse me, did you just spit in my face? And he says, move or I'll rape you. There's also people everywhere and everyone's just walking by because they're like, I can't handle something else in San Francisco. It's always something else. I don't even know why I'm posting this. If you live in San Francisco, do you feel this way all the time? I don't feel safe, ever. I literally never feel safe. It's better when it's daylight. But nighttime, no, not leaving my house.
1: <laughs> she took some grief for this, and I, I, I understand why, um, and people said, you know, you you, you probably vote. Democratic. You're probably a liberal. She probably is. Uh, Don't you know that you're voting for the kind of policies that create these kinds of conditions? I agree. That's true. It doesn't mean we can't sympathize because she could be your daughter or my daughter or sister. So I I, I get it. I do. My frustration is I I don't know what I don't know how to get through to people like this. Because yes, they vote against their own safety. They vote against their own interests. um, They vote for people that uh, don't give a a bleep about it. Um, They're watching their cities disintegrate and fall apart, and they don't seem to connect the conditions they're living under to government. I mean, what does she think is going on here? Who does she think has let it get like this? Um, is she, is she just venting? Does she just want to say, oh, I don't, I'm not asking you to solve it. I just want to get it off my chest. I just want to blow off some steam. But if she's thinking at all about how we got to this point, you, you've got to start looking at how you're voting. And I am worried about all these people coming here from places like San Francisco. They say, oh, they won't vote that way. They've learned, they've straightened themselves out. They know they're trying to get away from it. They won't bring it here. I'm worried. We even talked about this with Governor Abbott on the show a year or two ago, and he, he was adamant, no, the, the newcomers to Texas are not going to Californicate uh, Texas. I know that's not a word. Sounds like a pretty good word, though. Um, but, you know, I, I, that is a concern. What would what would you say to Hannah? I, I would say stop voting for libs. Uh, stop voting for George Soros candidates. Uh, start voting for uh, tough-on-crime, lock them up prosecutors sheriffs judges and then and then let the let the chips fall where they may we used to have a system in this country we used to have a a system of checks and balances where the police the prosecutors were hard-nosed no no nonsense they weren't interested in causation they weren't interested in social justice Um, they were locking people away, putting people away, Um, and then we had these groups that came and did like the Innocence Project and ACLU and and what have you, and they would be the counterbalance. They would say, wait a minute, you're not doing due process, or wait a minute, there's racial this or imbalance on that. The problem we have right now is we've taken the the squishy left-wing people that used to be in the think tanks and the advocacy groups We're making them the judges, the prosecutors, the sheriffs, and we don't like it. And when people are afraid, like this woman is just beside herself, that's a moment that can go one of two ways. When people are afraid, they will either have a moment of clarity and realize what they have to do to be safe, to feel safe and be safe, Or they will have a moment of um, irrationality. And if people are scared enough, they will choose dictatorship, they will choose totalitarianism, because they just want to feel safe. And one thing about dictatorships and totalitarian governments is you can walk the streets. There aren't gangs and rapists. They, there's no tolerance for that. Now you do, I'm not advocating that, but that is that is how people around the world have chosen the worst dictatorships and totalitarian uh regimes. And I, I, I tell this story a lot. Uh we had a guy on the show many years ago. He wrote uh like futuristic sci fi type uh books. And he wrote this trilogy of books about a future United States where there had been a nuclear war, a nuclear civil war. The country had destroyed itself, basically, north versus south. And what, what, and, and the, the federal government was wiped out, and all the cities on the east coast were, were wiped out. And what we got was an Islamic fundamentalist dictatorship. And people think that's crazy. That's the the last thing that would ever happen here. But he lays it out in the book. I have to admit, when you read these books, you you can see where it could happen. Because what he says is, yes, you would never expect a Judeo-Christian country to have an Islamic fundamentalist dictator, but if people are scared enough, if they're tired of being victims of crime and crime was rampant and it was survival of the fittest and women were unsafe and couldn't go anywhere, these guys came along and said, we'll solve that. We will make sure women can be safe. They'll have to wear veils, but no one will touch them. Now, I'm not saying I think that will happen. I don't. I'm just saying that's an example of how we could take a turn for the much worse If people get scared. And people are scared. This lady's scared. 210-599-5555. And let's face it, our politicians right now are not solving our problems. They're proposing new ones. They're telling us we need to be worried about what light bulbs we use. Uh, They're telling us we need to feel guilty about using a dishwasher. Uh, They're telling us the problem is pronouns. And that's all the more reason that at some point people might just reject the whole system. If somebody was to come along, and I'm not talking about a Democrat or a Republican, if somebody was to come along and go, hey, I can make all this go away, but you have to give me absolute power, and there'll be a few changes, but you will not worry, you will not be worried about your kids, you, no one will, no one will uh, expose your kids to drag queen story hour, there'll be none of that. We will respect elders. We will respect women. The streets will be safe. I, a lot of people, maybe not you, but a lot of people would would be like, "Bring me. I'll take that. I'll I'll make that deal. Whatever I need to do. I'll whatever I need to live with. Do I need to wear a hijab? Okay, I'll do it. That could happen. That's what makes this a a sketchy moment. I think. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Mike is on the Jack Riccardi show. Mike, good afternoon.
4: Good afternoon, Jack. Um, One one thing with these things that are happening in these cities and they're crumbling is truly the voters' fault. But the problem is voters don't do their research, and that's left or right. And they just pull a lever and and vote for somebody without doing any research. And it's it's even happened to us on the the right where, I mean, if people would have done their research, they would have never voted in. Mitt Romney in the primary or to, to represent us in the general, but it, it happens in all the time and people don't do their research and, and figure out what this person really stands for and who they really are before they even came into politics
1: mm-hmm.
4: all the way down to a school board election. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the, and then once the person gets in there, then they have more influence to do a lot more. And if they would have been able to avoid that, by never voting them in, we wouldn't be in the predicament we're in
1: today. It's funny you mentioned Mitt Romney because one of the things I've noticed, and I'm guilty of this too, we in the media, we talk so much about presidential candidates and presidential elections. The result is that people actually know a little about these candidates, but what they don't know about is that the real deal is who's on your school board. The real deal is who's your DA, uh, who, you know, and if, and if that's not sexy enough or interesting enough for you to, as you say, research, then that's the stuff you're going to feel. Whose president is not going to directly affect your life? Your life goes on, whether it's Obama or Trump or Biden. But boy, if you don't make the right call about law and order in your city, you will feel it. And that's what this lady is feeling.
4: And, 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 and and it's, it's the grassroots approach that the left has done a really good job of doing.
1: They do versus yeah. the right. Yeah. And,
4: and 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 the grassroots approach of me as 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 a, as a voter, I want to know everything about school board uh, elections, city council elections, yeah. the mayor, the district attorney. I have to do my research to at least feel good that I voted for the person that stands mm. for. The exact same thing that that I stand for yeah. and that's important to my kids. But these yeah. people just go pull a lever, and then they have regrets down the road. And they're like, "Oh, I should have never voted for that guy." Well, you already started the vicious cycle that you can't get out of.
1: Yeah. No, I think that's well said, and it's good that you do your homework, do your Mike. Research. Good. Yep. Absolutely. I'm with you. I think that's well said. We need more of that. Uh, and then if you get it wrong, don't put them back in. Um, you know, I, I would hope that Hannah, wherever she is and whatever she's doing right now, is, is, is hell-bent on getting to the ballot box the next election. And if she doesn't know who to vote for, just don't vote, definitely don't v- vote for any of the people that are in office right now. If you feel, if you feel that unsafe, if you're that desperate, kick them all out. Um, you know, at least that's a start, I think. 210 599 nine fifty I'll just throw in one more thing on that. We do need people, as Mike says, to do their homework, but we also need to uh, educate people about what government does. If you don't know what a DA does, if you don't know the separation of powers, if you don't know the um, functions, then it's less interesting to you. You're not likely to do the prep or the digging because you don't really know what these people can or actually do. Do uh, govern. There was a uh, story, totally different subject now, about a guy who. Um, he's one of the broadcasters for the Baltimore Orioles, and he um, he's a young guy. I've never heard him. I, I guess he's I guess he's good at what he does. The Orioles, if you don't know, if you're not a baseball fan, the Baltimore Orioles right now are a sensation in baseball. They were picked to finish last in their division, and they're having an incredible Cinderella year, and so this guy named Kevin Brown is one of their broadcasters, and as you probably know, the broadcasters, whether it's the Spurs or any of these teams, the broadcasters work for the team. So the team hires the the announcers and deploys them to television, radio, what have you. This guy was doing Orioles broadcasts, and he cited a statistic that the Orioles have won more games at the TROP in Tampa this year than the two previous years combined, meaning they're so much better than they used to be. And this is one measure of it. They're winning all these road games in Tampa, which is their division rival. So he said this, and I guess also posted this. It's a statistic. It's a fact. And the son of the team owner had the guy taken off the broadcasts because he made this observation about how terrible the team used to be. Again, they're not anymore. They're good now. And I was thinking about um and I don't know if you feel this way or not, but like I, I get that these teams all want their announcers and broadcasters to be kind of like, you know, Root for the Home Team and stuff like that. I mean, I understand that. I get that. I get why that is. But I think you can have that without making it into a cult. Like when I was a kid, uh there was a guy that did uh Boston Celtics games on radio named Johnny Most. And Don, if you ever find any audio of Johnny Most, you'll be my hero, because I, I I can't find it and it's it's it was a long, long time ago. This guy had a voice like sandpaper. It sounded like he gargled with broken glass. He had the worst voice for radio you've ever ever heard. But he was the the Boston Celtics could do no wrong. Every foul against them was outrageous, was a was a war crime. Uh every time one of the Celtics players got knocked into or knocked over, uh he wanted the death penalty for whoever, you know, hit them. He was a total fan. But not to the point where he didn't sound like he knew what he was talking about. And people loved him. He was an institution. And he did those games pretty much right up until he died. And I think you can be that. And and, and all the great local broadcasters have been that. The Spurs have had some great ones. I mean, I, I, I get it. You don't want a guy that is critical or cynical about the home team. But this guy just pointed out, Hey, we were really bad the last two years, and look how great we are this year. What is wrong with that? I mean, you gotta tell the truth. I mean, even if you're a you know, a home team guy, you gotta level with people. I mean, what next? Are we gonna are we gonna not tell people when they lost? Are we are we gonna not tell them when they make an error? Uh it seems kind of crazy to me. It, this is not the Ministry of Propaganda. It's the hometown team. So I hope that Kevin Brown gets his job back. I hope the fans speak up. Again, I've never even heard the guy, but that just doesn't seem right. Uh, so, uh, we're going to check the Jack Chat line here. If you don't know about it, this is a sort of like a voicemail, I guess you could say, or voice memo setup. You can, um, record a comment that we play back on the show. Uh, anytime, this is always available to you. 210-599-5550-5550. Okay. Slightly different number. And just leave your first name, your city or town, and whatever comment you have on the Jack Chat line. Let's check it out.
3: Yeah, Jack, Chris from San Antonio, concerning Millie Vanilli and the uh, Afghanistan fiasco. They don't care. Simple as that. They don't care. The agenda is far more important than anyone dying, than anyone else. We are more important than they are, That, that meaning the little people, meaning us. Thank you, Jack. Bye.
1: Okay, thank you, Chris. Next up on the Jack Chat.
3: Hey, Jack. It's Alex, San Antonio. Uh, you were just talking about Mitch McConnell and his comments about not impeaching Biden. That is exactly why conservatives, not Republicans, but conservatives, are sick to their stomachs about the Republicans. Mm. They're get along to go along. They've sold us out just as bad as Biden has. Look what they did with signing that two-year budget deal just so they wouldn't have to go back in front of the American people and tell them why they were going to fight the Democrats on their spending spree. McConnell and all of his ilk and Cornyn gotta go. Have a great night, Jack.
1: All right, thank you, Alex. I like ilk. It's a good word. Ilk. Uh, one more on the Jack chat.
3: Hey, Jack. It's Mike San Antonio.
4: Uh, Reference that woman filing a lawsuit. Uh, they really don't have a basis for the lawsuit because the companies can't withhold a person's employment or position based on a medical reason. Uh, so she can sue all she wants, but the company's going to come back and say we can't discriminate under the Americans with Disabilities Act by keeping this job, the, keeping this guy from having a job or a position within the company. So the ADA is actually going to be the thing that's going to shoot this thing down.
3: Thanks. Bye.
1: We actually got more response. Thank you. Um, we got more response, I think, on the lady suing over the airport suicide than probably anything else we talked about this week. You know what I've gotten the most response today on? Ready for this? People are emailing me their recommendations for instant coffee. I'm not kidding. <laughs> we're talking about the we're talking about the Folgers ad from 2009. I guess that's just too. Don and I were talking about this off the air. That was just too. Um, Uncomfortable. I was asking people to talk about something that's just hard to talk about. So I think they were like, "Well, I, let's just talk about instant coffee. That's what Folgers is.
0: That's
7: cool. I like that." Maybe that they, they didn't like your choice of uh, instant. <laughs> they coffee,
1: didn't like but... Taster's Choice. Yeah, I said I drink Taster's Choice over Folgers. Uh, I don't care for Folgers. Nope. Um, let's see. Oh, you found some Johnny Most. So this is what I'm talking about. You can be the hometown announcer, and still have credibility. This was this was the guy, when I was growing up, this was the radio guy for the Boston Celtics for many, many years. He looked like he sounded. He was a chain-smoking little, little gnome of a guy. They had him tucked away in some corner of the old Boston Garden. And um, this was him doing uh, a game with the Celtics and the Detroit Pistons. Take a listen to this.
3: to complain about something they have been called a dirty ball club and i can see why this is a typical a typical disgusting display by Rodman, lambier and isaiah thomas the yellow gutless way they do things here (laughs) now the other lord is coming in the other good guy coming in rick mahorn the guy who hit people from behind
1: Oh, man. Every night it sounded like he was going to stroke out during the broadcast, but what a what a treasure he was. Anyway, I hope this guy in Baltimore gets his job back because it sounds pretty fussy that they would take him off, off the Orioles' telecasts. Um, story says, A.I. girlfriends, a threat to women's rights. There yeah, a lot of stories about A.I. Uh, this story says... Um, the emergence of AI personas may, be, uh, may lead to a situation where men prefer having an artificial intelligence girlfriend who's submissive and compliant over an actual girlfriend. It's interesting how all of a sudden we're erasing women politically, sociologically, and even technologically. Might be a good time for women to kind of, you know, stand up, assert yourself, you know, like you did, like back in the feminist days. I remember the whole debate over the ERA, and I don't know, I mean, I wouldn't wait much, if you're a woman, I wouldn't wait much longer, because you're being erased, and I guess with AI, even more so. Um, AI girlfriends, wow. I did not know, this happened a few days ago, I did not know that Riley Gaines, the NCAA swimmer who's been so outspoken about uh women's sports she did a sit down with bill maher uh to discuss the whole leah thomas thing and um i want to play some of this for you um bill maher and riley gaines on his uh podcast
0: take a listen to this how big is her
9: car you've seen her right (laughs) we all did how big is it
0: i mean what kind (laughs) of a is it describe her
9: let's see um, well, I don't want to well, see it. I well, just wanted to hear it. Well, if I had to see it, you have to hear it. First of all, this is a six foot four man, right?
0: Well, six a trans four. woman.
9: A male.
0: Okay, this is what she Look would her. claim. Um, and she does go through life as a woman, correct? Like,
9: a woman with male parts.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> I know. I'm just trying to, like, <laughs> the, like, paint the portrait. Okay, wait,
9: can I. I'll be frank here. I don't use she, her pronouns when referring to yeah. Thomas, and I call it a male. I think even using the term trans woman is giving Thomas some of our language as women. And I, I think trans woman is a subset of male. I do not believe trans women are women, and so I'm saying that up good front for her. on yeah. the record.
0: No, I'm basically on that page. I I think, of course, a trans Trans is a, is a true phenomenon. There are some people who are, and I'm sure this is the wrong phrasing, but people know what I mean, born in the wrong body. Right. You know, they really do feel and want to be the sex they were not born. I get that. And those people should be protected and respected. That is my position as a one issue candidate running for governor. (laughs) No. Protected and respected. But, I also agree with you that it is a different category. It is the, not the same thing as women. And you hear women all the time, and not just conservative women, who say, I am being erased. Right. And what I do and the way I have walked through life is different enough. There's a, you know, there's difference in degree and difference in kind. This is a very important thing in epistemology. Difference in degree, difference in kind. When something becomes a difference in kind, yep. we're in a different category. So anyway,
1: category. I... I um I don't agree with Bill Maher about everything, and 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 look, he is still a big time lefty, but um, I, I do like he is articulate in his uh, reexamination of things. You have to you have to take your hat off to him. You don't have to be a fan, but there aren't many people at his level of popularity and and uh, ubiquity who are saying look I have taken another look I'm taking a fresh look I am stepping outside of my tribal you know tribe think so good for him and it was an interesting they had an interesting conversation I am really impressed by her I think she's uh she she is she is taking a stand that we just need a lot more women of all ages to take you know you don't let her do it alone you know get with get with Riley Gaines All right, on the JR. Poll, uh, powered by River City Oral Surgery, have you seen the summer blockbusters Barbie, Oppenheimer, both, neither? Uh, 79% haven't seen either one yet. Uh, 14% say they've seen Oppenheimer. That's a lot. Uh, And 6% say they've seen both movies that are big this summer. Uh, We got the news uh, of the passing yesterday of Robbie Robertson lead guitarist and main songwriter for the band. Uh, and, of course, they were around forever and worked with Bob Dylan and and, and many, many others. Um, Death of Robertson announced by his longtime uh, manager, and he was 80 uh, years old. Uh, known mainly, really, for the songs he wrote for the band and for others, like the one we just heard up on Cripple Creek, The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down, uh... The Wait, um, songs that were also covered by a lot of different uh, artists over the years. The Wait has always been, I think, a really interesting song. It came out in 1968. It was on the first album from uh, the band. Um, it's probably one of their most radio air-played uh, songs. And Robertson would say in interviews that the characters he mentions in this song, it's a story song, Uh, were based on real people that he and other uh, members of the band knew. And as I mentioned, this song has been covered by everyone from uh, Eric Clapton to Aretha Franklin, uh, many different covers, many different versions over the years. There's a funny story about how he uh, came up with the first line in the song. He talks about pulling into Nazareth, a town called Nazareth. He had been playing his guitar and he looked inside the case, you know, the, the body, uh, rather, of the guitar, and there was the label for the guitar manufacturer. And it had the name of the company, and Nazareth PA. And that stuck in Robbie Robertson's head, and he decided to honor that and reference that. In the song we're going to leave you tonight, from the band and the late Robbie Robertson, we'll leave you tonight with The weight on KTSA.